Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective Podcast. My name's David Brown. Today I've been talking to Jim Ferron. Now Jim uh, is retired now, but he was in the police force for uh, 30 years. And today we're, we're having a chat about, well, the, the current situation relating to the policing of the rules that have been put in place uh, relating to self-isolation. So I won't say any more, just have a listen see what you think hope you enjoy it it's quite an interesting one Jim's very passionate about about policing um, and I think you know the, the real message here is that it's everyone's responsibility to do this not just the police to make sure that people do so hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you briefly at the end cheers hello hello Jim oh my god it's workforce time how, how technically brilliant have I become you have become amazing at this. <laughs> Best thing I get me some of wee Instagram page and put some pouting pictures up then. Absolutely, I, definitely. I'm going to close the door because the dogs are trying to come in and they, they, they have very strong opinions on law and order, so I've locked them out. Absolutely, door. and so, they, okay, so they should. You okay, mate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Okay. Um, so I contacted you yesterday um, in light of the, the sort of, I don't know, the debate, the criticism um around the enforcement of the current rules around isolation and stuff like that so we've been seeing a few a few stories about shops being told they can't sell easter eggs and all that kind of nonsense and people going out for a walk in derbyshire um and i don't know it just seems like a bit of a bit of a hot topic um and you have sent me some some bullet points. Actually, it's almost like we we're organised this time. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's going to be the conversation. And you okay. as a as a what a thirty year police officer? Yeah, retired after uh, did 30, 30 plus years uh, both in the Met and uh, finished my career in in, in sunny Merseyside. Uh, so yep. been out been out uh, seven years now, but yeah, uh, and- still still keeping current. And, and me, who has had very little interaction with the police, really, um, apart from the odd speeding ticket, so <laughs> kind of sit on sit on the other side. But um, but anyway, so so your first point was around the command structure and how it well how and how it dilutes is 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 your your comment, uh-huh. um, and this is really how kind of things are transferred from high level to to actual yep. doing of the stuff. Yep. Yep. So, okay. Probably, probably best way to describe it is, is is imagine a sort of a flow a flow chart, and you have you have three command structures. Now, this command structure obviously goes across the NHS. It, it goes across uh, fire service, and it's called the gold, silver, and bronze command structure. Yeah. Now, gold sits at the very very top. So, gold is your your your, strat- your strategy setter, the direction that we're going to travel in. Yeah. So, if you go back to your old days of manufacturing, and uh, so that would be the CEO on the board sitting there and saying, "This is what we're going to build. This is what you know. This is our direction." The company going in yeah and that will generally be somebody of senior ACPO level so it could be a chief constable or it could be a deputy chief constable uh and they would be operating independently so they set the strategy now in my amateur opinion the problem we've got is the strategy but to make a strategy you have to have a, a firm terms of reference you need to have a strong direction yeah so for example, the, 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 I, I'll, I'll surmise I'm the chief, the chief constable of Trumpton, uh, going back in time. I'm the chief constable of Trumpton, and the government have asked me to uh, 
to oversee the, uh, the, the, the social isolation within my force area. So my strategy would be probably twofold, would be one, to ensure that, that the populace within my community abide by the current rules and regulations, and secondly, to ensure that they are safe and that my officers uh, enforce with empathy and education. Yep. The next level down is what they would call silver. So silver are your tactical. So silver would generally be possibly an ACC, which is an assistant chief constable, or in some cases, a, a highly experienced chief superintendent or superintendent. And they work out the tactics. So they're the how are we going to do it? Yeah. So, no, so I'm the chief constable of Trumpton. I'm saying this is what I have to do. And I will then sit back and say to my silver commanders, right, what, what's your ideas? So the tactics might be high visibility patrolling. The tactics might be visiting premises, educating people passing out leaflets like the BTP have done, uh, leave, leaving leaflets in place, is your journey essential? So it's, so it's a tactical sort of move. And then we yeah. drop down to the actual nuts and bolts, which is your bronze, so your operational command. So that will generally be an inspector or potentially a chief inspector. And they then brief uh, inspector sergeants and constables of, of how to go out and conduct those tactics. Now, yeah. it works. It's a very, very it's a linear process and w w within certain reasons, that certain issues, that there are always a problem with a linear, linear process. But it's made more organic with uh, an open line of communication. So all three structures should be talking to each other regularly. So it, it, it sort of it lends itself to effective lines of communication. Yeah. However, if government and I'm, I'm not being deliberately contentious, I'm just being devil's advocate. The rules were changed uh, just over a week ago. Uh, we will all stay at home. Yeah. However, unless you are going to shops or an essential worker, going to visit Aunt Betsy, speaking to, so there was a whole list of, of variables. I struggle to see how a, 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 you, you can make a strategy out of that. How does that impact on, on the relationship with the public? Well, if you haven't got a solid strategy because your terms of reference weren't strong enough, then you then have independent officers who are going out and making decisions like you know with the, the, the story which is true about the, the the officer somewhere in north london who who threatened a woman with prosecution for making a chalk mark on a pavement you know yeah. forget for the legality that you can't cause criminal damage unless there's damage you know and, and and sort of officers allegedly going into shops with council officials and, and saying that you shouldn't be selling easter eggs because it's it's a it, you know it's not an unessential item and, 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 and that's the problem because, now, interestingly, just before we, we, we sort of spoke, the, the National Police Chiefs Council, so they're the sort of the, the, the sort of advisors to all the police chiefs in England and Wales, have sent out a direction today saying that officers should approach this with a common sense approach. Yeah. So you've got people sitting at pretty high strategic level who are sitting remote from the, the, the gold and the, the gold and, and silver structure are saying to officers, uh, we need to approach this. Now, my own chief constable, Andy Cook, who, who, uh, who's, who's on Merseyside, he was on the ITV News last night, and Andy himself has just recovered from, from the virus as well. And Andy said that on Merseyside, it's business as usual, so his officers, they will go out and they will do what they normally do. But when it comes to enforcing uh, the social isolation rules, he wants them to do it with, with education and empathy. Yeah. So you've got some you've got some chief constables who are quite clearly looking at it as we have to maintain this sort of concept of policing with consent. We have to discuss the impact on our communities. But the problem is, is without a direction from government, i.e., you know, we will have a curfew between seven and six, seven in the evening till six in the morning. We will have complete lockdown. You will only go out of your house. My my son lives in Russia, and 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 they are being told that if you leave your, you know, if you're not non a non domicile. 
if you leave, <clears throat> you may be questioned as to what your journey is all about. So, yeah. so hopefully that you know that people can see the structures in place. However, because there isn't a direction in place, or sorry, not a strong enough direction, that that's the impact. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it just just to sum it up, I mean, it, the, the the instructions, <laughs> the rules aren't clear enough no, to to really be very specifically enforced. So. Um, you, you're then in the realms of, of people making their own judgments. It, 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 if, if you look at it, you know, like going back to Trumpton, uh, you know, it, it, you know the, the innocence of Trumpton, you know, a resident of Trumpton, if he or she are told to stay indoors, but, you know, or they will then, if they break that, then there is a definitive sanction that can be placed upon them. Yeah. However, if the residents of Trumpton are being told by the the, the government or, or, the, or the mayor of Trumpton, you know, this is, you know, you can you can stay indoors. Sorry, you can only go out under the following circumstances. What you will have then have is, is people who are then trying to say, well, that applies to me. The problem you then got is because this isn't law, is enforcing that law. And, and, and it's... Yes. The, the, my concern, as, as a retired police officer, but also someone who, who you know, who, who's, who's got a, a hell of a hell of a respect for the importance of our common law and, and, and European court, our, our own rights, is this could, if it wasn't managed effectively, could could, could uh, cause a lot of damage between you know the community and, and the police because your police officers in this country, they are the community. We're, we're, you know, we are ordinary citizens who choose yes. to take up. Queen's warrant, and and you know this this could this could cause uh, uh, damage that could take many 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 years to repair. You know, yeah, and no, I think look, it, it, you know, even even in terms of our last conversation and the number of conversations I've had, I've had, um, you know, it all comes back to everybody coming together to solve a problem rather than it turning into, you know, we're we're battling with the virus. The whole world is battling with the same thing. Um, but we see it everywhere. We see it on social media. People are starting to battle against one another. Well, it's, it, I mean, Lord, I'll just make sure I get his name right here because I have used a variation. Uh, Lord Sumption, who was the, was the retired Supreme Court judge. Now, obviously, you know, you're a Supreme Court judge. You know, it is, the, it is an incredibly high level of responsibility. And, you know, and they pretty much are the, are the gatekeepers of, of, of rights. When you have a retired high court judge giving a, an opinion as a, he's not a person, he still holds high office, you know, retired high office and influence. When he starts talking about this division that this is causing and the erosion of rights, you're going to have people who will think, hang on a minute. This is a guy who was a Supreme Court judge. This, this, this must be true. And then yeah. all it takes is, as we've seen very, very quickly, it, it, it's, it's the conversation in the co-op that we, that we joked about last week. Well, my mate said he overheard somebody who said he knew a special in the Isle of Man who said that you can't buy milk on a Wednesday. And then yeah. you, you then got you then go back to, oh, my God, I bet you know, you, you, your panic buying starts to set in. And then you will have people openly challenging uh, policing. I, I actually, before I spoke to you, I was speaking to a colleague who lives in Spain. Uh, he, 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 he spent some of his time in Spain. And the Spanish police are making, they're, they're, they're making no bones about this. You're allowed to leave your house once a day. You are monitored from every, every town and every village is being monitored by the National Police and the, the Civil Guard. Uh, when you go to where you're going, uh, you will be monitored. And uh, if you, you know, if you choose to go out in the car later on the day, you, you will be stopped and you will be asked, you've had your one essential trip today. Oh, and by the way, there's only one person per vehicle. Yeah. Now, that, that, that's not, we don't want that and we don't need that. However, 
if people start to uh, misinterpret or worse, people start to, to, to sort of flout the rules uh, or worse, people will say, well, you know, the, the, the police are already eroding my civil rights. I'm going to do this anyway. That's my concern. And, and, it, and it, over the last couple of days, uh, it, it has become a massive concern because the police yeah. in this country cannot police without the consent. There's 100 on average. That's, we'll go for 145,000 warranted police officers in the UK. No, you don't have 145,000 police officers patrolling the streets because that ain't possible. There are, last time, I think, 64, 65 million citizens of the UK. If we don't have their support and their consent, then we have a breakdown in, in law and order. That, that, that's your problem. Yeah, and I think, you know, it strikes me that that, that, was, that was the original approach. It's like, these are the rules, and they were relying on the goodwill of people. And I think, for the most part, people did what they were supposed to do. Um, and then you get the examples of people going to the seaside for the day and all this yeah. nonsense. Um, and it just feels like, you know, just just on, on the odd occasions when I when I have been out, you know, the streets are empty, very few cars around. Um, it seems that people are are doing what they should do, but they're going through this sort of cycle of actually this is a novelty. It's a bit like Christmas, blah blah blah, all this sort of stuff that you see. Um, but the frustrations are building. Just you know, not not just about the isolation, but about business and money and all these kind of things. So, I suppose you know the sense I get from you is that yeah, there's there's something's building here. People's frustration is building. People's boredom is building. Um, and I, I I think that the term you used there. I mean, I I think I used cabin fever in a conversation with somebody the other day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the novelty is slowly wearing off. I think we, we had an interesting debate last week about how quickly, <clears throat> you know, intelligent, well-intentioned people start to sort of display their, you know, I can't cope, I've been two days in isolation, uh, you know, on, on, on social media and, and Facebook groups. The problem we've got now is, you know, that we, we potentially, potentially got another month of this. You know, it may not, yeah. you know, there may be, a, may be a lift in restrictions. What happens if we have a... Another period of warm weather. What happens if we get to Easter, which you know is traditionally a time of of sort of rebirth for people? People will you know want to go out. People will want to go out and meet family. Uh, we we get a warm Easter. You know, are people going to turn and say, "Well, I seen somebody else doing it, so I may as well do it." And then all of a sudden, it's a case of, "Oh, well, we can all do it." Now we they that then you know how do you police that? North Wales police, for example, are uh, proactively stopping people who are travelling into North Wales. Now, there's only one way into North Wales, and what well, sort of you know, basically the, the the main road into North Wales is is policeable, yeah. uh, and you know, so the North Wales police are have been stopping people, not not to be uh, interrogating them, but to simply say, where are you going, and are you a resident? Now, there was, a, there was a, an article in the paper, and again, it was backed up with video footage where, you know, you had somebody who travelled 140 miles with a trailer tent from somewhere in the north of England uh, to go and pitch their tent by Lake Bala last weekend. Now, you know, it, yeah. it just, the, the, there's two things there. One, you know, the stupidity of that and the fact that they are potentially bringing an infection, and, and, and you, know, you know, into the area. What if they have an accident, all the risks that are associated with But secondly, you know, you know, that person, but he said, it's my right to do this. Well, we, I, I think we have to accept that our that our civil rights and our human rights and our right to association, we just have to temporarily press pause on it because we can't have, we don't want to see a breakdown in, 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 in uh, you know, policing 
with consent. We don't want to see martial law. We don't want to see the army on the streets. And we don't, you know, and that, you know, all of this is is, is is hypothesis. But what we don't want to see is, is is our British police service who are held in the highest regard across the world, being now like the civil guard and and and, and the Italian police who, who are all militaristic and paramilitary in, in you know in a force. We we have to educate and and people have to be educated, you know. And, and that's my that's my worry, and it is a genuine worry for me at the minute. Yeah, and see, I mean, it's, it's interesting, you know, the conversation around human rights. I mean, I, I don't feel that my human rights are being impeded right now um, because I can see the bigger picture. This is this is this is being done, and this is all about, you know, the human race in general. Yep. So if if that was only being done to that guy in his in his, you know his caravan and his tent or whatever, then then that's something different. But it isn't. It's you know the expectation has been set that we behave in a certain way. Um, and there is a good reason for that. And we all know what the reason is. Um, so I, I don't see that this is, this is not a human rights issue for me. If I, if I could put that in the context, uh, I mean, I, I do a lot of teaching around uh, human rights legislation and, and, and for, for uh, lots of private and, and public funded organisations. And I often explain to people, as it was explained to me as a, as a police officer many years ago, we need to follow a plan. Now, the plan is a very simple way to look at how the, the state, uh, you know, your police, uh, you, know, uh, you, you know, your local authorities, etc., can appropriately and effectively use, use human rights, you know, breach your human rights. And the P stands for proportionality. So what we have to do is, first of all, is look at the proportionality of what we're doing. And I think Andy Cook was, was quite strict, quite strong on that last night. He wants his officers to apply common sense. You know, do I need to use a sledgehammer to crack a nut? Is there a better way to deal with a shopkeeper who, who has tried their best to create distancing by using shock? Was it proportionate for that officer to, to suggest that she had, you know, to, to, to be slightly verbally heavily handed? The L stands for legality. Now, that means we have to have a legal power to do what we're doing. Now, there is more than adequate legislation in place. You know, we, we have legislation that, that, that covers this. However, what the government have given us is, 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 for want of a better word, a set of guidelines. Now, guidelines, uh, they're simply that. They're not the law. So we have to make sure that whatever law we are applying and we're working towards, it, 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 it's on the books, it's statute. A is the important thing for, for, for the citizens. We have to be, sorry, the police and, and the state has to be accountable. So they have to be able to justify. And, and they do that in two ways. Yeah. One, they justify their actions, i.e. they can explain to it to a third party or, you know, the Supreme Court or the High Court <clears throat> why they did what they did. And then they have to also uh, show a thing called preclusion, which basically means is why they didn't do something else or why they discounted something else so for example the north wales police may be asked okay why are you stopping people on the a55 and they will say well because we've given leaflets out we've given notices out we've put signs up and people are still floating the rules so our next step is and the, the last thing and it goes back to again what what some my chief constable said last night is the necessity test do i have to do it is it absolutely yeah. necessary and I think what what's heartened me slightly today is that the, the the you know the police chiefs council have come out and said Right. If we're going to do this, think about our, is it necessary to do what we're going to do? Because it, it, yeah. that's how police officers are taught and that's how police officers are trained to think. They're, they're trained to gather information and they're trained to risk assess and they're trained to work through, you know, uh, using legislation. But they, they have to work towards the, this plan process. Uh, 
Now, you know, that to me is simple. However, we have a responsibility. So as citizens, we have to accept that we've been told to do something that we may not like, but, you know, we, it, yeah. it's not, it ain't going to be forever. Uh, so that comes back to the, the community has to, has to sort of, you know, for want of a better word, the, the, the silent majority that we spoke very, very passionately about last week, have to maybe turn around to people and say, well, hang on a wee minute, we, we need to do this. Because the next stage, Dave, it, 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 David, is, is we will have uh, well-meaning, inverted commas, locals who will say, well, we will police our areas. No, you don't want that. You know, yeah. so 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 that that's my you know your, your human rights can be infringed, your civil rights can be infringed, but you know officers hopefully will will apply that plan process. Yeah, and I think you, look, you're already getting sort of micro examples of people policing, yes. aren't you? you? You know, you get it in supermarkets when people aren't aren't standing yes. far enough away and they're sneering at each other and all the other stuff. Um, and, and I suppose that's that's my concern is that as as emotion starts to run higher and higher because you have got a situation where. You know, people are people are out of work now and their businesses are going to be failing and their money's going to be running out. So they're going to have a longer list of reasons to want to go out and work and, and, and be outside and all those kind of things. Um, so we haven't sort of reached that point. And, and equally, we don't know. There's no end point to this. You know, we, we think it's going to be a month or, or, you know, whatever we think, but no one's clear on it. Um and even when we reach whatever point we think it is, it's not just going to be all back to normal. There are still going to be restrictions, but they won't be the same. And, and, and a conversation I had with, with, with my, my, my friend this morning in Spain was exactly that, because he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a therapist. He, do, he does a lot of work with people who, who have suffered uh, post-traumatic stress and childhood trauma. And, and, and he's, yep. you know, he, he's a guy who is very much thinking about what happens when all this is over. And, and I think, you know, that, that that's the thing is... we. For me, as a retired police officer who a passionately cares about the, the, you know policing in this country because I gave it you know thirty years of my life, uh, and and secondly, yeah. who passionately cares about my community and, and and the people in it and their rights, I, I think we have to we, we have to understand that you know th this is not going to be forever, but we have to understand that we are in very uncharted waters here. And you know, it's it's taken yeah. the police. I mean, we you know, I, I jokingly put a post up yesterday about you know what would Gene Hunt say about all this, and it's it, you know, and and you know, and we don't want to go back to that style of policing uh, because you know, it, unfortunately, in a minority cases, you know, that those type of people did exist in, in, back in the day. Yeah, we've taken, we've made massive inroads since the eighties uh, to to become more cohesive with our communities. We work in oh, the, the police. Yeah. I keep saying we Freudians. They they work tirelessly to, to build bridges with marginalised communities, with with you know uh, communities that are hidden, with communities who have a lack of trust in the police. But it's your Gerald Ratner moment. You know Gerald Ratner. You know one of the most successful high street shops in in the eighties. You know I think on on Oxford Street alone he had yeah. four shops. Gerald Ratner has a couple of glasses of wine, stands, stands up and says, "I sell crap," and his business goes bust. Now, the British police yeah. are not a business. We, we police our communities because we are members of our communities. And, and I, think, I think we have to, I think there's two, two sets of responsibilities. Yes, the police have to be, uh, you know, they have to be accountable for what they're doing. And hopefully, you know, that, that, the, the advice and guidance that is now slowly coming out from the College of Police and, and the National Chief Police, Police, National police Chief Council will do that. But I think the community now have to say, okay, right, okay, so what can we do to help you? You know, I, I heard a rumour the other day and it, it, it annoyed me because this came from, from someone who 
I, I, I viewed as quite a, a well-balanced person. And, and I got a, a, a WhatsApp message from this person who, who's, you know, he, he runs his own business. Uh, and he said, I've just been told, and I thought, here we go, that Merseyside police are offering £150 if you shop your neighbour. Well, there's two things that are definitely not going to happen. The chief constable of Merseyside, Andy Cook, is never going to put that in place. And secondly, the chief constable of Merseyside has no money. So he ain't going to be firing 150 quid direct into your pocket as an unregistered snout, to use a Gene Hunt term, to shop your neighbour nipping down the Asda. But so when I fed this back to this guy, it was very much like the it, it was almost as if a, an influencer on LinkedIn had been insulted and he got quite a, quite quite offended. Well, you know, I've been told this. This yeah. is true. And I thought, well, no, you haven't. You know, it didn't happen. But there again, you know, there, there's, you know, going back to the point you made last week, do people panic buy or do people buy in panic? You know, and, 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 and yeah. that, that, that resonated with me, what you said last week, because I hadn't considered the difference. You know, if we start to listen to the, 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 the anecdotal third hand tales, then it becomes fact. Communities then start to get frightened. Communities start to get concerned. And unfortunately, there are people within our communities who will prey on that vulnerability. And, and, and you know, and, and our police are still, you know, they're still, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant now. Somebody used the term the other night on, on, on LinkedIn, Corona cops. I mean, that's, that's pretty yeah. insulting, you know what I mean? Because, you know, they're not Corona cops. They are the same police officers who put a uniform on and a, and a, and a, and a, a set of body armor and they carry a wee badge signed by, you know, which, which is an authority from Her Majesty. That they're not, they're not superhumans. These are men and women, young men and young women who are prepared, like the NHS, like firefighters, like care workers. They're prepared to go out there and still deal with all the unpleasantness. And, and I think, yeah. I got, I actually got quite, I got offended and I, and I put something on, which I didn't regret putting the post up. I just sort of highlighted the fact uh, that I found it up, uh, inappropriate and I gave it a very good, valid reason. And I have to say the guy had the decency to take the post down, which which is great. And I, and I like the, the fact that he did that. But, you know, it, terms like that, the Corona cops, the, these are our police force. You know, the, these are the men and women who, God forbid, something happens to us today, you know, we ain't going to be phoning the, the director of public health services. We're not going to be phoning Boris Johnson or, uh, or your man Cummings. We're going to be phoning the police, you know, and, 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 and I'm very passionate about this connection with our communities, mate. And I'm sorry if I've ranted a wee bit there, you know. No, no, that's fine. You know, and the whole, you know, the Corona cop thing, that, that's, that is just so unfair because it's wrapping a whole load of other stuff around the police force. It's it's it, you know it, it's it's sort of you know in what's in some way it's it's bunching the police force in with yes. the virus, as opposed to just you know seeing them for what they are and, and everyone's you know everyone's got a different view of that. I mean, one of the things you struck me in in, in our, our conversation the other day was you know around the emergency services that you know the sort of you know the, the ambulance service, um, and the fire service are, are emergency services that people want. <laughs> <laughs> and the police is, you know, a, a, an emergency service that they don't want. And I don't mean they don't want. I think people, you know, most people fundamentally recognise the benefits of having a police force um, until you have some personal interaction, because it's only ever likely to be when you've done something Absolutely, wrong. or have been wronged by someone. Well, I, 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 or have been wrong. So it's always going to be a negative, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember years ago, uh, not long before I retired, I was asked to go and do a wee talk to uh, an old age pensioners group around, uh, you know, personal safety so stranger danger for old folk and it was and you know it was nice there was a, a lovely wee slice of cake and there was a nice cup of tea and they were lovely and we were chatting away 
and, 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 and I looked at it and, and, and I thought, this is what policing is. It's talking to people. But the vast majority, I always start off those talks. I would say, how many people here have ever had any direct experience of the police? And occasionally I get the hand up and somebody, oh, you know, I was arrested for armed robbery, you know, for a bit of a joke. And everybody has a wee laugh about it. But the vast majority of those people yeah. have never had an interaction with a police officer. They've seen them. They've no. maybe smiled at them. They've maybe, you know, to, to use my post from Saturday, they've maybe given them the nod as they've gone past. And, and they understand that they are a, 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 an accessory of the state that is there when, when we need them. 5%, you know, 95% of the population will never, ever, ever have, have any real contact with the police. You know, 5% are our sort of regular clients, our stakeholders. They're the people that keep us busy. And I think it's really, really important that those the ninety five percent they are they are the people that, that that the police need behind them at the minute. You know, the fire service. Everybody yeah. loves a firefighter because you know they're they're brave and they are incredibly brave men and women. And you know, you, you watch programs about firefighters on TV. You know, and particularly American ones, and they're all sort of you know they're, they're all sort of really, really, really sort of held in very high regard. Medics, you know, the NHS people like that again. And, and at the minute, I, Christ knows how we're going to repay those people, by the way. But, you know, that, that's, that's no, the no, problem. No. Again, you go to them, they make you better, they help you, they, they give you therapeutic treatments, they rehabilitate you, they give you, you know, drugs to make you feel better, etc. But the poor old police officer, he or she is just wandering along the street or driving along the street and, and, sort of, and their colleagues as PCSOs and specialists, by the way. Apologies for that. Uh, these are men and women who are just going out and actually people don't want to talk to them. You know, and then, and then all of a sudden they have become the instrument. I think the quote that that uh, that, that Lord Chief just, uh, sorry, that the, the, the retired judges, they have become an instrument of the state in in infringing civil liberties. No, 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 no. That that's that to me is very inflammatory, and and these young men and women will not yeah. they won't want to see themselves as that. And and I think you know I, I think if 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 nothing else comes out of the conversation we're having today, I, I'd like everybody. You know whether they like or dislike the police, because you know we we we've all got our own views on it. Let's just take a step back and see these as human beings. These are men and women who who at the end of the day they they may well have to face down an armed robber today. They may have to face down somebody who's domestically abused their, their partner. They might have to tell someone that their partner's died. These are men and women who, by the way, when they go home at night and they take their uniforms off, by the way, all of the things that they've done during the day don't fall off with a uniform. And and and, yeah. and, I, and I think you know. Our, our talking heads have lost sense of that, and, and I appreciate I'm ranting a wee bit again here, mate. But but I'm very passionate about this, you know. Yeah, no, no I think I think again, it, you know, it does come back to that one thing, and and we see that so much in life now, and especially with technology. So we're 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 more, you know, the whole we're more connected than ever, but we're, but we're more separate. Yeah. Is that is that the world is being becoming dehumanized? So. The, the, the stuff that happens on social media, the fallings out, the arguments, um, a large part of that is because people don't feel like they're dealing with a human being. Yeah. Um, you know, in the same way that f for whatever reason, the conditioning and whatever else that, that we experience in, a, in early life, we perceive the police in a certain way. And, and look, some of that's historical because, I, I, you know, I think that, as you say, that there are, I'm sure there are people in the police force now like it. And the police force was very, very different back in the 80s that, the, the police didn't present themselves no. as as human beings in, yeah. in, in, in the best possible way. So there's some history behind yes. it. And and, and I can't and I can't um, deny that, but I think the important thing for us is is that you know great step and I and you know it, 
I, I can only speak from the two forces I worked in, but more, more, more latterly Merseyside, because that was, you know, I spent the vast majority of my career there. You know, the, yeah. the, the inroads that, that, you know, Sir John Murphy, who was the, the, the previous uh, post holder, and, and Andy Cook, the, 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 the effort that they have put in to educating their officers and staff about the importance of, of community support. And as I say, you know, he came on the news last night and, and, and I spoke to him briefly afterwards to thank him for his post. And he just said, he said, it's, you know, pretty much to summarise, it's business as usual. My officers will be still going out there keeping the streets safe. Oh, and by the way, if we have to talk to you about the coronavirus, we'll do it. We'll educate and we'll do it with empathy and we'll use a bit of common sense. And, and I think, yeah. you know, that's the soundbite that I think that the, 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 the Chief Officers Association have come out with today. Let, let's get back to, you know, the, we will still, when this is all over, whatever this is, when this is all over, uh, the community and the police still have to work together because the police cannot, the, the police cannot operate with, without a strong, strong support of our communities. And it doesn't matter who that community is because, you know, they, they do need them, mate, you know. Yeah, so uh, you know, again, so so the general population can assist in policing whatever needs policing Absolutely. by just sort of doing doing the right thing and being more human about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, and all, all the things we've discussed. So, I mean, it, look, it's an interesting one, and, and, and I don't know. Maybe there'll be some. I'm sure there will be some further conversations okay. between us. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, look, I, uh, thank, thank you for that. I mean, you, you know, rant away <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um, it, it needs it needs to be said. So it'd be interesting to see what the response if, is. If, if I could finish on a very positive um, note, uh, and this 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 come from the yeah. the Irish police, that the 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 guard in the Republic of Ireland, I I'm linked in with a few people over there, and they have a a, a group called Little Blue Heroes, and and basically they, uh, yeah. they, they 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 sort of support children with terminal illnesses. And they, you know, they they help they let them join the police. They get a uniform, and and they make a difference to these wee boys and girls, and, and older boys and girls. In you know, in, in what is the last few months of their life. And one of the most heartening things I saw last night was because they're in, all these children are in social isolation, and because they're not able to go to the local police station and meet the police officers. Yesterday, officers in in, in the Garda took it upon themselves to go out and stand outside the house of each one of the child that they're supporting, and just. Yeah, it's posted a wee message at the window to them. That that just doesn't happen in the guard, by the way. That happens in other police forces. But the, the, you know, the, there is the human. The, those men and women will go home last tomorrow night, and that that image of that child will be with them. So you know, we we are humans, mate. And, and I'm sorry if I ranted, but it, you know, you can probably tell by no, no. I, I do still care, mate. You know, I, I can't I can't erode you know my my career that easily. You know, mate. Not okay. You. You know, so um, and, and and I do. I think, I think just to sort of reinforce that, I think generally people seem to be thinking in a more human way at the moment um, because we, we we do feel a bit more like we're all in it. Yeah, well, and and I think you know, like, I I do hope that when whenever what this is over, we, we we can sort of we will look back and reflect upon this, and 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 we you know hopefully maybe I don't know maybe we'll just maybe we'll come a wee bit kind to each other as well, eh? Yeah, he's okay, mate. All right, as usual, mate. God bless. All right, cheers, Jim. Thank you very much. Take it easy, mate. Cheers. God bless. Yep. Take care. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of The Bullshit Detective. And thanks again to Jim Ferron for coming on. Uh, An interesting one. Uh, I think we all just need to really 
I don't know, come together a bit more, look out for one another. But if you enjoyed that, please do subscribe to the podcast. There will be uh, many more episodes to come in the future. Thanks again. Bye.